1: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. And my name is Peter. Good morning Peter, how are you? Very well, thank you Ben. How are you
2: this fine morning?
1: Yeah, I'm doing alright. I haven't actually opened my curtains yet because my bedroom is south-facing. And I was already woken up by the sunlight going round my curtains. And I know that as soon as I open them, this room's going to get really warm. Right. That's And so I'm hiding. The thing with South Facing, it
2: would be advertised as a benefit. Beautiful south facing uh, lounge window. It's
1: not though. It's not, it gets hot. It's just unbearably warm most of the time. I've got no ventilation. I live in a flat. I can't even open my door my my windows all the way. No, they
2: only open two inches. We had to a uh,
1: slither out.
2: When I lived in some halls of residence or student flat or something, I don't remember exactly where it was we had to sign a thing that said if we want to be able to open the windows wider than that, like Mm. we had to basically say it's not your fault if we fall out Right. we had to like, like, it was like a legal waiver.
1: I would sign something like that though, I just want full window autonomy, I don't understand why I can't, I'm, I'm old enough to live on my own and and pay for this flat every month. Yeah. Why can I not be trusted to open the window? I don't know.
2: Maybe have you got have you got previous?
1: Yeah, I suppose yeah. so.
2: Well, they Used to throw goes. like paper aeroplanes out, and it was majestic.
1: <laughs> but then the police got involved. They don't
2: want you doing any more of that. It was distracting drivers. Look, they were follows me watching the majestic planes go.
1: They don't let me do it anymore. No. Anyway, this is a video game podcast. It's brought to you each and every week by a, a very real sponsor. They help us keep the lights on here. Peter, have you got the ad read there?
2: I have. I've got an ad read right here. Um, it's it's a brand new... Well, it's not a brand new, actually. It's a, 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 a sequel to an established franchise. Uh, it's coming to... It, it's out now on PlayStation oh. 5 and PlayStation 4, I think, and on PC. Um it's called uh, uh, God yep. World Soul Storm. God God World. God World Soul Storm. Uh, okay. It's a game in which you wander around God World, which is actually just heaven, but they like to call it God World up there. That's okay. that's what they think of themselves. And uh, you you just you just uh, it the rain the rain starts coming down, and you start singing a bit of gospel music. You know, you have got oh. you got that soul. You got that. You got the the rhythm of the Lord flowing through you. So what mm-hmm. you do. You just go go up to heaven and have a little sing song in in all weathers, um, in in praise of the Lord. The rhythm of the Lord. The rhythm of the Lord is a power. Is that a thing. thing? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think so.
1: He is the Lord of the dance. He is
2: I said yeah. he Abe. The Lord of the Dance. Um, it, it's very good. It's an excellent game. It's okay. available right now. And if you don't play it, you will go to hell. Or Devil World, as it's well, called. Whoa, yeah, Bad World. Yeah.
1: Uh, okay, and it's on. What did you say it was on? It was on the PlayStation.
2: The the pre- PlayStation four and five, and yeah. uh, and and the PC or the JC, if you. The want The JC. To. Yeah, that's it. Yeah.
1: Perfect. I can't wait to pray it
2: yeah me me neither except you won't be praying it at all because it's not actually real oh
1: i thought my my heathen soul could finally be soothed oh. and tamed by this wonderful jesus game
2: well i mean he's he's still available to you at all good churches but no it's not, too late not on your PlayStation.
1: It's, if only there was something i could uh, it's too late uh, there's no. no there's no resolving this no bit. other options in terms of <sighs>
2: pursuing the christian dogma
1: never mind eh mm-hmm. we'll get them we'll get them next time we'll get him next time No, it is not a real sponsor. We are, of course, sponsored by our wonderful patrons who are actually real over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump. $1 per month gets you access to the podcast post we put up on a Monday or a Tuesday, usually a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. We're recording earlier this week. yes. And uh, then we we can source questions from there, exclusively from there. We do have other tiers available on Patreon as well. If you'd like to support us at a higher tier, go check it out. Patreon.com forward slash team triple jump yeah do it, do it,
2: so I was waiting for yeah. you to ask me who who'd asked the very first question, but actually that'd be the wrong thing to do because first it would. We need to know where are we walking
1: oh, through God world through God
2: know. world it's okay. a, a, It kind of makes me think that maybe God world rather than heaven mm. in the very real sponsor that I didn't just make up, it could have been a theme park, a it religious could have been. theme park
1: oh that sounds tame, yeah. Doesn't what it? about Heaven is a Half Pipe, after yeah. all, as we all learned from that song. It is. So what about just a sick half pipe?
2: A skate park. God World. Welcome to God World.
1: Welcome to God World. Here's yeah. your, your bony board. That's what they call them. Right, yeah. The cool skaters. that. Here's your bony board. Instead of a harp, you get mm-hmm. given a skateboard on
2: arrival. Yes, so absolutely. Uh, well, here we are in God World, and it's mm-hmm. time for question one from Jack, who says... Hi, Ben and Peter. I recently played Hidden Agenda with a few friends and loved it. But this game seems like an outlier in app-assisted games, with most being mini game or quiz-related. I was wondering, do you see apps playing a larger part in games, or will they forever be used as a tool in party games? Thanks, Jack. Well, thanks, Jack. Thank you, Jack. Um, I... I mean, first off, I would say these things aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. I think they will always be used as a tool in party games. I think that'll probably be perhaps even the primary use for this sort of genre or this this uh, medium um, going forward. However, I do think there are things that can be done in this realm and therefore will be done to varying levels of success. We played Hidden Agenda uh, together, kind of around the time it came out, I think, and mm-hmm. you've since played it at least once. I know, uh, maybe a couple of times with a few times, people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, you yeah, know, I thought it was a lot of fun, um, and I quite like the idea of, you know, companion apps for games. So you could play, um, you could play a regular console game, but maybe there's something that is happening either at the same time on your phone, or like other people can be getting involved in your game via their phones. Um I mean, I'm trying to think of an example desperately. Uh but I guess almost in a way akin to uh the DS or the three DS, you know, with the two screens, and like sometimes you would have um something different on one of the screens that was kind of a, a useful extra that maybe you didn't need, but it was it was there. It was a handy little, you know, it was a map or a I mean, I your inventory, yeah, your inventory or something like that. And uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a video game creative. Unfortunately, it's not my job to come up with good ideas for video games. But I kind of wonder if there's some kind of co-op thing that you could do, where in order to, so maybe like one of you plays as the main character, and you could always pass the control around if you wanted to, and have different, have you take turns on that, but. It could be something as, uh, as quote-unquote, as much of a real game as, like, I don't know, Devil May Cry or something like that. So you're going around playing, like, a hack-and-slash RPG or something, um, but your friends could be there with their phones. They've all got these apps, and maybe they're they're doing all these, like, little mini-games at the same time, and their success will affect your strength or something. You know, they're fighting off demons there may be inside your head as or something like that mm-hmm. uh, and you know so there could be that kind of a almost a multi-format thing where you're playing through you're all playing through the same game together but you're doing different things at the same time i don't know i think it's uh, there's something there so i think there will definitely be uses for uh, apps outside of um uh, outside of quizzes and mini games and stuff uh, although um, i do think the the party game stuff will always probably be the the main use personally
1: yeah we've we've definitely had companion apps in the past we have. i think destiny definitely had one and it was really popular in sort of late ps3 early ps4 era that sort of time i'm using that console specifically just because that's what i was playing you can substitute that for xbox one or 360 if you want it was really popular then and it seemingly dropped away almost completely now i'm sure some games do still have companion apps where you can check which quests you're doing Mm. and what what level gear you've got but there's really doesn't serve much of a purpose beyond that and is more just sort of a more of a marketing tool than anything else doesn't really serve any purpose practically i can't say that i ever used any companion apps properly apart from like you know i i i had to go to work and i couldn't play a video game all day and so i would just when i was bored look at what was going on in destiny briefly and then yeah. and then delete it because it didn't do anything um but i really do think hidden agenda is a is sort of an outlier in this, it, well, just just in reality, I was going to say in the scenario Jack presented in terms of moving forward with with app based controls in games and stuff, um, because there aren't really m- many games like it. And if you're not familiar with what yeah. hidden agenda is, it's, it was part of a, an initiative that Sony did for a few years called PlayLink, uh, which was a series of games where you could use you and your friends could use your phones as the controller, and it was largely quiz games and party games. But hidden agenda was made by supermassive, who are the people behind Until Dawn and most recently Man of Medan and Little Hope, the Dark Pictures anthology. And it was basically a police drama where you played a detective uh, investigating a serial killing, uh, a serial killer. Sorry, and you all had to use your phones to vote on what you wanted to do, from dialogue to various decisions. Uh, Sometimes you'd have to that you'd have like a front-on view of a room, and you all had a a little sort of cursor that you had to scan around the room and find all the clues before the timer ran out. Um, So it was quite innovative. I don't think it's the first game that's done that necessarily, but it was certainly perhaps the highest-profile one and really bucked the trend. Yeah of using your phone to control and it wasn't like Jackbox where you could just do it through the web browser you actually had to download a specific companion app um and while you were watching cutscenes you could there was like a uh a, what was it like a bibliography thing that could be updated and you could um is bibliography the right word is that what uh, I'm thinking
2: of I'm trying to remember what uh what happened when you when you were watching cutscenes
1: um, well it, it just said look at the TV but basically there'd yeah. be a little um, uh, a little book that you could press and you could read up on big story events and right, the background yeah. of characters you'd met and stuff like that so everyone could stay in the loop and what's going on
2: a bit like um, with the Supermassive games show the sort of tree of um, you know kind of the butterfly effect Yes, yeah. the events exactly. That happened. Yeah. And
1: it was far more stripped back in that, you know, you weren't actually controlling a character and walking them around a 3D space as you would with with a, an actual controller, but it was really good fun and they've not done anything like it since and PlayLink is dead now and for that reason they really unless more big companies get behind it I don't think we'll see anything like that again. I think it will largely be the realm of party games and quizzes and stuff like that. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but Hidden Agenda was really good. And I would love to see more of that. And uh, there was actually a Planet of the Apes game that they also released that was in a similar vein. I think it's meant to be a bit crap, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe check that out, Jack. But yeah, moving forwards unless one of the big players gets involved and says, no, we're going to really lean into this. Sony does this a lot, as we're going to get into, I think, in the big discussion. Yeah. Where they'll be like, we'll try this thing and we'll make something really cool that's got a lot of promise, maybe isn't perfect, and then we'll just abandon it. And everyone will lament the fact that nobody works in that space anymore. Because even though there are people working in that space, you need a big player in there to really bring it, not legitimacy, but sort of prove that it is a viable avenue. For other big players to get in on, and it seems that Sony's kind of just abandoned that, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, but thinking
2: about the the party game stuff, I mean, almost it depends really on what your definition is because if you think about hidden agenda, although it had this very you know quite quite a gritty veneer to it, and it was this murder mystery, as you say, like a police detective drama thing. and yes it had it had a, a strong narrative to it and different directions you could go in terms of gameplay it wasn't you know it was still relatively simple you would wave wave your thing around and you know vote on decisions to make and um you know it, it wasn't super complicated as you say you don't move your character around uh in that sense so to what extent does that even count as not a party game but it's it's still everyone just sitting around on the sofa you can kind of be just having drinks at the same time and like you know not take it too seriously and uh only to sort of barely pay attention all that kind of stuff it's it's quite a casual thing to play despite the nature of the story mm-hmm. and i kind of think that yes party games going forward as we know them and like quizzes and stuff, the, the the things that you associate with those terms in your head, those will be the, I think the bread and butter of any kind of app based stuff on uh, console gaming. But I, I don't see it as a big leap to go from something like uh, even Jackbox. Jackbox could come up with, you know, I can imagine just, I mean, maybe stylized in a different way. It might be more comic book, graphic novel style but just a kind of short uh, little little murder mystery where everyone has a character to play or something like that. It's it's not a complicated game in my head that I could see like feasibly being lumped in with these other games that we call party games and, and quiz games and stuff. So I don't think they're poles apart, these things. I think you're right that Hidden Agenda had... Some kind of prestige to it, or it was the most successful of its of its kind. Um, but I I'd, I'd like to think that the likes of Hidden Agenda, you know, it's not completely dead. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it depends kind of what you define as a Hidden Agenda style game, really, and where the line is.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I hope we see more, and I'm absolutely not saying that the likes of Jackbox are. You know, amateur hour, simple, easy peasy. But they're a different kind of thing. Absolutely. I'm taking the definition of what Hidden Agenda did as, as Jack says, an app-assisted game. Hmm. Being a highly polished, produced, decently acted, and visually really good-looking game that was two to three hours long, that told a story that twisted and turned, and yeah, it wasn't perfect, and you can pretty much only play through it once because you're going to get... You may get a different outcome... But the killer's always the same, so yeah. you know what's going to happen if you play it through again. Um, but th- to ab- sort seemingly just sort of abandon that approach, like I, you could have taken out the walking around sections of Man of Medan and retrofitted that to work as an app, you know, that everyone could play. Up to t- well, I think it's like seven players, I think can play, or eight mm-hmm. people can play Hidden yeah, Agenda, um, and I think that would work brilliantly because I don't think you'd really lose anything from those games by not having to slowly walk around to interact with stuff. You know, I think yeah. they you could do an app version. However, that would still take a lot of resources, and I don't see something, at least on that scale, being bundled in with a new Jackbox. I'm sure they could do something similar, but again, just not on the sort of the dedicated scale that Hidden Agenda was. Yeah,
2: and visually, um, certainly, it would have to be different, because it, yeah, would, it Hidden would. Agenda was, you know, the kind of... Photorealistic, or a, you know, a, a, a realistic style. That
1: you yeah, know, it was on the Until Dawn engine, or whatever yeah, exactly, it is that they yeah, use yeah. for the other stuff. But yeah, it was it was it was a really good game. I I sincerely hope they do more, but I'm not I'm not confident. Sadly, I think Jackbox will just continue to rule the roost, and I look forward to seeing the the new styles of of party games that they bring to their future collections and stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll get one of these. You're right. Yeah, Hidden yeah, Agenda maybe. Two, part of. Uh, Jackbox Seven or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You imagine. It's, it's four hours long. Incredible. Lovely. It's time to move on to what we playing. Oh, what we playing? Okay. It's what we play in time, Peter. What are you playing today, uh, this week?
2: Uh, I've <laughs> been playing this week, as you all know, dear audience. If you've been keeping up with our content, uh, I've been playing the Evercade this
0: week, Ooh.
2: which was lovely. So you can expect a more detailed breakdown of the games I've been playing on that in uh, a video that hopefully went out on Friday, um, mm. but maybe didn't, but probably did. Uh, so I've I've been through kind of several different periods of video game history, really. Um, what
1: is it, though? What is the Evercade?
2: Our Evercade is a handheld console, um, which has various cartridges you can pop into the back and they are collections of arcade slash early home console video games Mm. um i guess early home console video games themselves mostly contained arcade games really so it's all the same but uh yeah so i've played some some simple uh well-known quote-unquote classics like asteroids and pac-man and uh centipede and things like that some you know real old 8-bit stuff which definitely definitely fun to sit down and have a few goes with but uh there's some much longer or not necessarily longer but um uh more uh more more complex or deeper video games than the Mm. likes of pac-man available on the evercade for example uh earthworm jim is on there which is one that I'm looking forward to playing more of. Um, but I definitely had a go with that. And uh, it's everything that I kind of already knew about. I've never played it before. I'm, I'm of course, aware of Earthworm Jim. Um, but it, it's, uh, it, it's kind of what I expected from it in a good way. It's very stylized. Um, some really weird kind of animations where he uses his worm head as a kind of... Uh, <laughs> Uh, well just like a hand basically he grips things with it and and stuff like that and I mean even in the first level I was kind of a bit thrown in a nice way by the just the overall design and the art direction of of the game in that I kind of jumped off this ledge and then I fell into this pit full of tyres just piles and piles of car tyres you know like in the Simpsons they've got the tyre fire in Springfield it was just like that and it's bouncy because tires are made of rubber right so of course you can, you, it's just you bounce through this weird area full of tires all stacked up which was sort of strange um but uh you know it, it that was it's a lot of fun i'm enjoying these these 16-bit games more really because they are from i mean i kind of vaguely remember games like that from my very very early days of gaming um on the ps1 so um yeah it's been it's been good i, I tried joe and mac Two. that's like a caveman game uh, uh i've described in detail both bad dudes and two crude dudes in the hell yeah scope, but i'm gonna leave those for you to go and uh, to go and listen to dear listener um and uh, so there's a lot to go at with the Evercade. I don't want to just list every single game I've played. I pretty much did that in the Quipscope. But, uh, well, it's not Quipscope, but the conversation we had. Um, mm-hmm. But it it's uh, there's so much to go at, and I've still got, like, four cartridges I've not even touched yet. So I'll likely be testing each game for probably at least another week. So next week, I'm sure I'll have more Evercade to talk about. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's well worth... Given a go and if you want more detail go and listen to the video that's on the channel right now
1: fantastic yeah what, what about uh, Star
2: Wars have you played any more of that uh, yes I have well I I streamed it this week so I didn't play any in my downtime because I didn't want to over Star Wars myself although I mean saying that I think at the tail end of last week yeah so since we last did a podcast I have actually played a little bit more it's hard to remember sometimes what was before or since the most recent podcast, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Star Wars. I'm still enjoying that. It's uh, as I said at the time um, in the the scope we did for that as well. Um, it's it's kind of a. I don't want to say it's a grind. It's you know to you really just need to know what you're letting yourself in for. Going giving that game a go, like it's it's a game of its time. It's from the mid noughties It's an FPS, so there are lots of sections where you do just kind of have to hold down the trigger and kill lots and lots of enemies in a fairly mindless way. But the fact that it's set in the Star Wars universe and, you know, again, it's giving me a bit of a taste for The Bad Batch, which is coming up soon, less than a month now. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying it from that perspective. So certainly as a Star Wars fan, it's a good game to play and uh, another one I would recommend to people in that camp. But, um you know, you do have to prepare yourself for the fact that it is a game from 2005, I think. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 good. It's fine. But um, it won't be everyone's cup of tea, I don't think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How about you?
1: I started Batman Arkham City up the other day. Right. Uh, because I had finished off, I think it was Kentucky Route Zero that I finished off. And then I, sh- I just didn't really feel like starting anything brand new. And I did actually sit there for a couple of evenings just watching TV thinking, I don't really want to play anything right now. Yeah. Kind of gamed out. Um, But I was thinking about it and I got the urge to hop back into Batman Arkham City, which I haven't played since uh, it came out in, God, 2012, 2013, something like that. 2012, I think. And it's it's aged. So this is part of the Arkham Collection uh, or the Return to Arkham Collection that was ported to uh ps4 and xbox one and i believe it was released on plus at some point so i played arkham asylum last year and talked about it on the podcast and now i'm giving arkham city a go and i remember loving arkham city and again i've talked about why on the podcast before like i just got super excited for it and i really enjoyed it and i've got to say having played arkham asylum last year i think arkham asylum holds up better than city does I think City's right. still an excellent game, but I think the scope and the openness of Arkham City and being able to explore that environment, while not having the benefit of the developments of traversal and moving around the city that um, Arkham Knight introduced, uh, the third game in the series, really does make it feel a bit clunky. I still really like it. It's not age- particularly gracefully from a graphical perspective again i think the moodier tone they're all moody games but the moodier more claustrophobic and enclosed tone of arkham asylum i think has held up the best um and arkham city it it does just feel a bit there's a lot going on the character models are kind of hideous um and at times it can feel a bit unfocused like i'm 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 wanting to experience the story, not really looking to do the side stuff because I've done all that before and I just want to be Batman and get through that story. But on the way there, you know, there's there's thugs all over the place that you can take out and there's like a million different Riddler things to do. And I know yeah. there were a million different Riddler things to do in the first game, but, you know, it was far more linear. It was a bit more Metroidvania-y in that you had yeah. to backtrack on yourself. But here, I do find myself just sort of spamming R1 to uh, to grapple up things and then sort of glide off them but you don't really hold your glide for very long until you know, you're having to grapple again and as I said you can't really use the cool stuff they introduced in Arkham Knight to make you glide further and keep moving for longer I still think it's excellent um, and I'm obviously going to continue to play it but uh, it di- I was quite surprised actually going back to a question that we had last week about games that don't mm. really uh, don't really appear how you remember them this one definitely doesn't i still think it's very good but i i i am kind of shocked at how much i actually preferred the presentation and gameplay of asylum over this one bearing in mind how much i loved city when it came out
2: well especially like when a a much improved sequel to any given game comes out i mean you know particularly going back to the first uncharted game i always find that like i remember first playing that and thinking this is great and I don't think I really thought at the time that oh, there's a lot of gunplay here but Mm -hmm. there is a lot of gunplay in that game and then when you go from even just Uncharted 2 and 3 but certainly the fourth game if you go back to number one it's like wow this I mean it's again it's a bit more mindless than the others this game Um, Mm -hmm. so
1: yeah and knights divided opinion like a lot of people don't like Arkham Knight and I can understand that it took a lot of creative chances that didn't really pay off and it was a mess on PC and and so on, but certainly you can't dispute the fact that getting around the city and not talking about the Batmobile was uh, was yeah. a lot easier to do, and that only comes with the benefit of having had Arkham City to build off, so Arkham City very much a first draft in terms of open world traversal, so yeah, I'll, I'll stick at it, I'll keep playing it, um, God knows when we're going to get those new Batman games now that they've all been delayed and pushed off into the distance, but... Yeah. Uh, yeah arkham city not quite how i remember it so there we are uh persona 4 obviously still playing that and i've also been playing a load of original xbox games as well that i'll cover in a video at some point but my god as i've spoken to you about peter the duke controller i just can't use it i don't like it it feels so wrong
2: i think i said to you at the time when you you, you told me that i remembered not having a problem with it but That was after. I mean, I think the first time I picked it up, I definitely thought, what is this? Like, I feel like both of my (laughs) hands are stung by bees, and I'm all swollen and weird and (laughs) chunky. But uh, definitely, like, after after a while, I got very used to it. And Mm -hmm. I dare say that the muscle memory buried deep inside my head uh, would probably reactivate if i picked up a juke controller i don't think i'd have as much of an issue with it as you are having at the moment but uh i do feel for you because i remember first picking one up and thinking
1: this is an abomination (laughs) i am certain it's a case of getting used to it it doesn't help that i'm currently playing with about three or four different controllers so i'll have my Mm. ps5 controller i'd have my ps4 controller i have this stupid, great big Xbox Duke controller. And then we recorded an episode of Worst Games yesterday at the time of recording the podcast. And I use an Xbox One controller, a wired one, on my PC um, for emulated games.
2: I use a PS4 controller.
1: I used to use a PS4 controller. And then there was one game that I wanted to play. And this is, again, talking about Sony, I wanted to play Oblivion on stream. Mm. And... I I didn't want to buy it on PC and it was available on PlayStation Now. Right. And so I downloaded the PlayStation Now client for PC. And at the time, I think it may have changed now. It didn't accept a PS4 controller as an input. Wow. Okay. Um and I had to get uh I had to get a, a, a I went up to Tesco and bought an Xbox controller just for it. <laughs> the point is um using that using that Xbox controller the modern one is night and day and it's so much it just juxtaposes how ridiculous that original controller was yeah and I'm so glad they changed it Mm -hmm. it's really hard to use anyway that's what I've been playing
2: wonderful Uh, well it's time to move on to question
1: two Mm. hmm this is from Cameron J. Keywood Keywood who says hello Bean and Petter I am a long-time listener, first-time patronee, Expecto Patrona, it says in parentheses. Anywho, I am a games design student and hope to break into the industry in the next year, so I may feature on Worst Games Ever in 2025. Oh, Cameron. My question is, what is your opinion on cutscenes? Personally, I used to skip cutscenes when I could and hate non-skippable cutscenes, but now appreciate the work that goes into them. I would love an industry standard where you can skip upon a second viewing. Thoughts?
2: I, um... I think it was in a list might have been a something else but uh, and it might not have even gone out yet it might be some been something i've i've checked and okayed to go onto the channel but isn't public but uh recently in a video i say oh i hate skipping cutscenes. scenes I, n- I never do it and then the editor immediately cuts to me in a worst games every episode going can we skip this can we skip this so I, you know, I might come across as a bit of a hypocrite. However, I think "Worst Games Ever" is very much an exception. Like yeah. those yeah. games are all awful. They normally have dire cutscenes that we just want to get through. So yeah, I do skip cutscenes on "Worst Games Ever." Also, save me a bit of editing time if the capture isn't as long. So that's probably part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I never ever ever skip cutscenes the first time round when i'm playing a game and i've never understood people who do i it would bother me i'd be worried that i'd miss something really important not just in terms of will i be able to solve a puzzle have i missed some information but just you know the story or understanding character motivations or anything like that um you know everyone's entitled to their own gaming proclivities mm. and if they want to skip cutscenes that's fine by me yeah. uh, but I ain't, sp- ain't spending any time on skipping cutscenes because I mean yeah I'm thinking about as well just the work that's gone into them I mean that shouldn't really uh, I don't think that should may- kind of uh, make you think that you can and can't do something when you're gaming like oh well someone worked really hard on this so I better not do X thing mm. Um However, that is definitely something that is probably worth considering uh in this discussion. But uh I do think, on the other hand, that all cutscenes should be skippable. Um all cutscenes should also be pausable as well. I mean, yeah. that's still yeah. not that's still not universal. It's certainly way more common now than it used to be, but uh that was always dreadful when a cutscene is happening and your mum comes into the room and she's like uh, what? Can you ju- can you come downstairs and Hoover the lounge? What yeah, Mum, I'll do it in a minute. Oh, and mm. by the way, your grandma called, and and you know something really important's happening on the screen. Um, so all cutscenes should be pausable, and I think these should all be skippable, preferably not skippable by just pressing the X button because. That can sometimes be done accidentally. What you should have to do is pause the cutscene with the start button and then select skip cutscene so you mm-hmm. can't accidentally do it. But Or yeah, hold a sh- button. Or hold a button, yeah. Uh, but I agree, they should all be skippable for either the people who just want to skip them, like the young version of Cameron Cameron before Cameron realized the work that goes into these God
1: can you imagine being young Cameron I know disgusting
2: oh, Christ uh or for the likes of well probably everyone else who if you've played through a game over and over and you're not that bothered about a certain cutscene or perhaps if you've uh if you die and you you keep respawning or you know reloading and it plays the cutscene every time you know you mm-hmm. don't want to see that every time that can get really annoying actually so yeah, they should all be skippable. They should all be pausable. But I do not skip cutscenes uh, the first time round. Yep.
1: Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Cutscenes vital to a story. I would, I would never, never skip it unless I was into a very, uh, two very specific situations. Either it's an episode of Worst Games Ever, yep. and uh, because it's a Worst Games Ever week, without going into spoilers about what the episode <laughs> is about, perhaps you do need to skip cutscenes because otherwise it it crashes the game. It crashes the game if you don't skip them at the end. Or it's, and this did actually happen with, um, oh, it was such a memorable game. It's gone. The name Remnant something. I played it like last month. It was on PlayStation Plus. It was the Souls-like game with guns. I talked about it. Remnant Shadows from the... You know what I mean. It's one mm-hmm. of those. <laughs> and that's exactly how I felt playing it. Where I was playing it because it was co-op and I was having a laugh because I was playing with my friend. Um, but in certain cutscenes, they were just going on and on about just nonsense. Like mm-hmm. buzzword exposition nonsense. Like, ah, oh, yes. Well, when the horizon arrived on our shores in the year 2000... 2000- 850 the the fable seer and i was just i can't listen to this i don't care i just want to shoot things and that's almost certainly how some people probably would approach i don't know like a call of duty game just be like this is nonsense i don't care yeah and, and i that's fair enough as you said this is pro- proclivities but there are certain experiences where i am not in it for the story and it doesn't happen very often and it's usually a game i've got for free that hasn't reviewed very well should we say and when i say very well i mean like it's not uh, a blockbuster narrative adventure Hmm. um and and i will want to skip those because I, i just don't really care about what's going on but certainly in in a narrative driven game I would I would not skip those. I think you're totally right about the option to pause cutscenes. Vital. I encounter this issue all the time when I'm streaming, and I'm sure you do too. Yes. You're watching a cutscene and then someone's very very kindly donates, or there's a super chat, and suddenly you've got two conversations over the top of each other, and there's nothing you can do. And in some games, uh you can press like the home button on the PlayStation control and it'll take you back to obviously the uh, the main menu of the console, and it will actually suspend the game as is, and that's sort of like a cheeky workaround. But for some games, it just keeps playing in the background where you can't even see it, yeah. and and it's just there. There needs to be a standard for that, um, but certainly on a repeat play, I think skipping is absolutely warranted. Uh, certainly, when I've gone for trophy runs, uh, going for the platinum in especially Uncharted games, you can skip those cutscenes. Um, it often masks a loading screen. Yeah, but if you yeah. skip it, it usually loads way before the end of the cutscene, so you can just skip, and it'll mm-hmm. say, hang on, hang on a minute. Okay, now you can skip. Um, so, yeah, there we are.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, uh, it's it's not unusual.
1: To have uh, fun with anyone?
2: To have fun with anyone, or for us to to agree on an answer like that.
1: On, yeah uh, when, so uncommon on, right
2: on this podcast it happens a lot but um uh something that doesn't happen very often is uh an, an uh, perhaps an unusual news story you know they mm. they they come around very rarely
1: yeah never
2: Do you see where i'm going am i Vegas, sort of, it's weird news oh thank you
1: Weird news time. Peter, what's your weird video game news this oh, week? Uh well, I've got something here from uh
2: I've got a write-up from Fraghero.com.
1: Oh, I love that website. I know I actually don't know. d I wanna be clear, heard. I don't wanna no, I don't wanna disparage their i I'm sure fine work. I've never heard of their website though.
2: No. Um so I saw this on uh Twitter yesterday. And I think since then, we've actually been sent it by a couple of people. So thanks to everyone who sent it. Um, but this is the one that I saw posted from someone I follow or something. So FragHero.com. Experts predict what gamers' hands will look like in the future.
1: Okay. I, I've i seen the tweet. Yeah. I this, know what you're talking about.
2: This is from Joshua Boyles um, <laughs> at FragHero.com. Experts have predicted how gamers' hands might evolve to fit controllers of the future, and it's quite bizarre. I'm Ooh. going to stop everyone immediately here and say, why are the hands evolving to fit the controllers of the future? Surely the controllers are built to suit human hands so that we don't need to evolve.
1: But This is like that weird marketing thing for a casino do you remember that we covered ages ago where they designed what a gamer would look like if it evolved just to do it's like that's not how that
2: works well Ben let me stop you right there with the next sentence the casino review sites. Uh,
1: what They, they know how to play the game fair play to them they know how to trend they
2: do The casino review site SlotsWise has teamed up with scientific experts. There aren't any air quotes around that. sure, scientific experts. I'm going to, yeah, take some liberties. To create a 3D model of what our descendants' hands will look like if we keep up the gaming habit. No, no. Uh, I'm now going to send you two images, Ben, on Slack. Of course, those of you listening, which is all of you, um, the YouTube version of this list... Uh, this podcast i cannot i'm not functioning today by the way i'm really struggling
1: hey it's okay
2: we'll get through this Thank that you. is
1: hideous and he's using a duke controller he is
2: basically using a duke controller it's got like loads of big shoulder buttons there it is two
1: pictures okay. there his his two what, what are those fingers on the end there his little finger and the one next to it the ring finger yeah those two they've seemingly shrunk over time that wouldn't, I, ha- I don't, like, his this first is not how science And his first
2: two fingers are twice as long. His thumbs are really chunky. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: uh, but yeah, if you are, f- to those listening at home, uh, if you head to the YouTube version of this podcast, the link to this article will be in the description. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can just, I mean, just Google it and it will come up, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so you can see it yourselves. Uh, they predict that both our index and middle fingers will extend enormously. This is supposedly to be able to press more buttons on the back and top of our controllers. At the same time, these experts say that our little and ring fingers will shrink to allow us to better grip the controller. Our thumbs will apparently stretch extremely far and look to be far more muscular, presumably to provide more precise
1: control over joystick movements. I think... I mean, someone needs to explain. I mean, I know a lot of people understand how evolution works, but just in case you don't, we would need to live in a society or a a situation Mm. where gaming and, and your ability to play games was the only deciding factor in whether or not you would pass on your genes to the next generation and everybody else would be killed. That would be the only way where slowly, over the course of millennia, Appendages would adapt to the point where the people who are best suited to playing games are the are fittest, the, or the are the are, it's survival of the fittest. If the fittest are the are people who can get the most headshots, yeah, it doesn't. This isn't going to happen.
2: I mean, the only other way that um, evolution happens is either by uh, natural selection like that or sexual selection. So if women, yeah, uh, or men are going to be extremely attracted. To other men or women who are excellent at video gaming, absolutely. Um, and then they will select those partners, and perhaps you know, over time, the fingers will extend. But
1: and you've got to imagine the the long fingered, the, the long two fingered. Oh God, I hate it. The two, the long two fingered women and men of the world will find each other irresistible as well, and then you're off to the races, aren't you? That's absolutely. how we create the super gamers of the
2: future. But I don't really want to think about what gets what they get up to in the bedroom with hives like that. You do?
1: Yeah, okay. they're well. getting honey out of hives. And yeah. they, I think they're also trying to get grubs out of, like, rotting woods and st- <laughs> yeah. Perhaps
2: ask casino review site slots-wise to come up with the how we will all look if we become excellent lovers over the next thousand oh, years. Oh, man,
1: I don't want to know who their... So- Actually, I kind of do. Name and shame. Who are their science experts? Who's enabling them? Uh let's see. Um I mean I can name and shame the
2: the uh the company, the the casino company because that is the next sentence in the yeah. in the read. Uh UK-based Cornelius Creative Limited is an mm-hmm. agency that develops and markets gaming products like controllers. Managing director Simon Cornelius told Slotswise Oh, no, that's not. No, that's someone else. They've got an expert on controllers in to talk to SlotsWise. So Simon Cornelius of this controller marketing company says, Controllers, as they stand, are ergonomically designed. However, the increased immersive experience of some games require more buttons to play. Uh, as the increase of buttons on the controllers means our fingers, specifically thumb, index, and middle, are doing more work and must stretch further, and then that, that's the end of the sentence. Um, right. So thank you, thank you Cornelius. Uh, Cornelius expects these changes will allow gamers... Maybe he is the scientist. I don't know. It doesn't make it clear who the scientific experts
1: are, but he might be the one. I, I think, think he, it could be him. it could, yeah. could be the science man. In because, a future where everyone plays guitar, look for, your, look for your dominant hand to actually morph into just a fin so that you can strum the strings. of a whole guitar. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no I sense. think
2: there's scientific experts are actually just a guy who works for a marketing agency for controllers. I think that's yeah. what we're dealing with here. Um, As a result, Cornelius expects that these changes will allow gamers to perform more actions much more quickly than we are currently able to. The research found that professional first-person shooter players have a reaction speed of around 100 to 250 milliseconds. With the GAMER HANDS, in capitals, (laughs) it's expected that those numbers could decrease even further, making esports an even more competitive scene. I mean... Would reaction times be improved with these hands? Surely that's more of a, a cranial thing.
1: I don't uh, know. Yeah. Just because you've got those appendages doesn't mean you can use them. You'd still need to train them. Yeah. Right. You don't. You're not born able to, able to to play video games. You gotta. You gotta learn. You gotta learn the controls first. You learn the controls first. Uh, the article
2: ends with just saying it's not the first time this has happened. Uh, There was an image of what gamers in 2040 will look like in circulating on social media not long ago. So there we go. That's the one. Brilliant. Um, Wow, that was very weird. Thank you, Peter. You're welcome. Thank you to everyone who sent it to us as well.
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Here we go. What do you think of this? I'm going to need you to click on that and tell me what you make of it.
2: I mean, the URL is quite incredible.
1: Yeah. Oh, do, I, do you want me to watch the video? You can you can just play it. Let me know when you're looking at it and I'll start reading. I'm looking at it, yeah. Okay. This is from pcgamer.com. Oh my God, look and at Ka- them. Katie Wickens, who writes this headline. This guy's PC's got more bugs than Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> Having been away for a month, this Reddit user waddled her... I don't know if it says waddled. waddled? Why they got just absolutely dunk on this guy like that. This user idioted home in the hopes of getting some PC gaming in only to discover his CPU and GPU had been overrun with what commenters have identified excuse me, what commenters have identified as crazy ants crazy ants after a drawn out session of pulling apart his rig in a panic blasting them maniacally with compressed air and putting it all back together again the ants appear to have regained their new territory, he's now taken to oiling parts of it up to prevent them from crawling up it's a strange day when you have to lube up your PC just to get some gaming done, but it's likely going to uh, going to take more than that to deter these. Cr- there's an there's a video auto playing on this article, and I hate that. It's really distracting me. Uh, it's going to it's likely going to take more than that to deter these creepy crawlies. Apparently, these kinds of ants are notorious for getting into electronic devices. All across the net are strewn stories of their marching, not two by two, but in apocalyptic numbers towards tech. They nestle themselves deep within the circuitry of TVs, vacuum cleaners and monitors alike and thrum along with the electricity like they're feeding off it. They aren't, for the record, it says here. (laughs) Uh, A Texas entomologist told the New York Times, You figure these stories are laced with hyperbole, but when you get in there, it's unreal. Piles of dead ants will accumulate around infestation sites like coffee grounds, sometimes the size of molehills. These are called middens and are actually intentionally designed gravesites for their fallen kin. If you know anything about ants, you'll know that killing an ant doesn't deter further infestation. It's not like hanging pirates along the shoreline to ward off potential raids. (laughs) No, the pheromone released upon an ant's expiration, oleic acid, just serves to attract more of the buggers. One little splatted creature will often result in a swarm of vengeful brethren running to their fallen comrades' aid. Uh, So there we are, it goes on. But what uh, what do you make of that video? Can you describe what you're seeing?
2: Well, I mean, there's just loads of ants crawling. I mean, it's the speed at which they're moving. Normally ants sort of, well, not normally necessarily, but often I've seen ants just kind of ambling along a patio or a, a pub bench you know or something I mean that's two years ago we're talking now <laughs> stories of the pub mm-hmm. but uh, you know it's it's just something you see on a summer's day when you're out in the garden but they're just it, it is an infestation they're moving all over the thing I really like so you sent me a link to like a Reddit post about it mm-hmm. and the post is entitled my CPU slash GPU got infested by ants when I was gone for a month it then talks about how they tried to remedy the situation I played games and ran benchmarks so that they would come out because of the heat. Also, I left my PC running overnight, but they are still inside. Help. I love the idea that this guy just ran the... Or girl, ran the most intensive stuff as possible Mm -hmm. to try and burn the ants out
1: of there. Yeah, to try and flush them out so he could get them. Um, One of the comments on this... uh, Oh, God. One of the comments on this PC Gamer article does say... Uh, this happens all the time, just call a professional, we can fix this, no need to oil up your PC. So if it does happen to you, maybe call an exterminator and hopefully they can come sort that out. It's just weird, I didn't know ants, well apparently it's an issue in North America so we're probably safe, mm. but there's there's a, there's a an issue with ants just going after technology. Technology. Electronics, yeah, yeah that's so real. strange. What are they I wonder why they're attracted to what it. Do they, what do they want? Are they learning? Yeah. Maybe they're trying to copy us so they can have little ant televisions. Oh, lovely. That would be nice Nice to think about, isn't it? Let's move on to another question, Peter.
2: Let's. um, Let me just... There it is. It's from Axel's Alive95. Um, Hey, boys or girls... Long-time listener, first-time questioner. After last week's sponsor, I started thinking about the current status of E3. Mm -hmm. Even before COVID, they were going downhill. What should they do to remain relevant? Going digital this year is understandable considering, but uh, but is staying digital viable? I'd miss the show floor and the huge theatre presentations. From the cost of booth space to wooing back companies, how can they
1: survive? Thank you, Axel firstly it's worth saying we actually did a video on this last no, no, 2019 oh, yeah was last year? To, yeah i don't know uh, all about what the future holds for e3 and how it stacks up against um uh you know direct streams mm, and yeah. so it's while obviously covid happened last year and there was no e3 it's still really relevant we we put out a tweet the weekend just gone uh, re-promoting it, so even though it's a little older, we actually go into a lot of detail there about what could happen and the issues that E3 is facing, so I would highly recommend you go and watch that, it is on the channel um, so go go there, but what do you think Peter?
2: Yeah, I mean to, not to cover too much of the old ground that we, we did in that video, I do kind of think that there's something to be said for the little directs and stuff certainly from the point of view of a publisher or a developer, in that at least they know that they can have control. They can pre-record everything and they can think, is this what we want? Yes, this is what we this is how we want it to go. We'll put this out. It's all been okayed and green lit. Whereas, you know, it E3 particularly is infamous for weird, awkward, embarrassing things happening on stage, tech issues, that YouTuber who just went, uh, so uh need for speed Oh, Um, Jesse, what's his name? Yeah, Jesse something or other. Um, That was really, that was painful to watch. And there've been many other things like that. Um, So at least just having it all digital and pre-recorded, you know what you're dealing with. I mean, that's not to stop people doing their own mini presentations that are still done on some kind of stage. I remember when Gearbox did that a couple of years ago that we watched and they did some magic tricks.
1: Oh, that was the worst. Like, that was... We covered that in one of our first podcasts, first yeah. Triple Jump podcast, and we could not believe the state. Of, like that is how bad it can be. It was mm. awful.
2: Yeah, and that's you know you you could still have things like that if E three was gone because people could just say, well, <laughs> we're going to do our own thing. It's not E three, but we're still going to do it on stage. We're going to rent out a you know a, a big conference place, and mm-hmm. yeah, so. Uh, in some ways it's kind of nice to think that they won't be gone forever because as awkward as they are to watch, they make for good discussions and, uh, you know, sometimes it's nice, the schadenfreude, I guess, Mm -hmm. to sit and watch that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it is nice to, as I'm sure you're about to say, it's nice to have our video games Christmas, isn't it? It's nice to have, oh, this is the day where, or, you know, a couple of days where everything happens. We can all get really excited and there's you know fun videos and articles online about here's everything you need to know you know if you missed a certain presentation here's just like all the embedded trailers in an article it's nice to just have a big fix of loads of things all together and the problem with the directs uh direct style things is that they happen periodically throughout the year which in a way is good because you get lots of mini Christmases with like little bits and bobs little little tidbits mm. but it means that quite often you'll sit down to watch some kind of direct if that's what we're calling them and it, it might not be that exciting there might be like one big thing at the end that you're like oh great and then everything else is just an update to a live service game and oh Uh, we're bringing out the soundtrack for this game it's now available on (laughs) Spotify and you know it's it can be a bit lackluster at times so it's in some ways it'd be nicer to have one great big celebration annually Um, even if people didn't do them all together at E3 if everyone just did their own E3 style thing um, perhaps on a different date spread throughout the year but uh, you know so that's those are my thoughts on if E3 goes I mean, I I guess I can come back in a bit when you've given yours, but uh, on on what E3 might have to do if it wants to stick around. But Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, how would you feel about a lack of E3 and more directs?
1: Well, we, for better or worse, we we did all have that last year, didn't we, with COVID? There was E3 sort of bowed out and said, you know, oh... The, the pandemic, eh? No E3, despite the fact that actually they were facing so many other issues. that yeah, it probably, was just a good excuse. <laughs> it was a really, really good out for them. Uh, but yeah, I, I I've got to say I did miss E3 last year it was overwhelming the sheer amount of different conferences and streams your summer games fest your gamescom opening night live your state of plays your mini directs your everything at ubisoft did various things there was marvel avengers war tables there was xbox id there was all sorts of stuff it was it was constant and in a way that was kind of nice because we just got a lot all the time but there's something special about having it all be during one week when that's when all the news will happen you you know you get some snacks in and you stay up late with your friends and you sass on it in tw- you know on Twitter you tweet along you make some predictions you give birth to a legend we still we still miss you dick yeah um and there's there's something inherently good about that the problem is with E3 coming back is that they need to convince everyone to be there again and not do that stuff because now every after being forced into doing it every company is acutely aware that they don't have to be at e3 and they can do it from home they may not get as much attention as if they were at e3 but equally if they were at e3 they have to fight for attention with everyone else so there's 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 positives and negatives to it and and i understand companies maybe wanting to play both sides and do both things and be at e3 and also announce things during the year but i mean speaking as a playstation fan the last few state of plays have been very underwhelming um because they don't need to pack in loads of big blockbuster announcements they just a lot of them just read like marketing i mean i know that's what e3 is but You know the, the the big stage presence and the the theatre of it all was always quite exciting. Whereas when you're watching from home, and you've got another trailer for for um, Abe's Odyssey, Soulstorm, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know it's it's like I, I don't need to see this anymore. Um, you you can stop showing me this now and you can tell that they've just had a handshake agreement and presumably a lot of money has exchanged hands in it, and they've agreed you will show this game on three state of plays please and by yeah. the time you like the bloody five nights at Freddy game how many times <laughs> do we need to see a trailer for that in a state of play and yet we're not really seeing much about it. No. It's, they're all kind of...
2: It doesn't actually show us that much that... Yeah.
1: We're not. That it, it. A lot of these, you can very cynically and pro- probably accurately look at them and go, there was no need for this at all. Yeah. We didn't need this. Why not save up your announcements for one big blowout at the same time? Um, as I said at the beginning of this question, uh, we, we did cover all the angles available in the video uh, that you can watch on the channel. But... I I like E3. I would love for it to come back, but unless they get everyone to come back, I think we're going to get E3 and still get all of the other stuff as well, which presumably is only going to serve to dilute the impact and the size of the, or the significance of the announcements that E3 brings. So I don't know. It'll be very different, that's for sure
2: it will I suppose you're right like just to put it simply if E3 wants to carry on and and still be a big deal they need to convince everyone to come back and I don't think they're going to do that I think and you're I think it's an interesting point where you say you know uh, you don't have to compete if you do your own mini direct style conference or something like that um, you can choose when to do it uh, but equally you know yes you have to compete if everyone's at E3 but if not many people are at E3, then you don't, you won't be competing as much. So I can imagine that... I don't know, it seems like a Microsoft move, for example, or, or maybe um, Bethesda or something like that will probably still go to E3 if they can. Because if other people aren't there, then they kind of get, like, all of the attention. Anyone who wants to watch E3 will watch, you know, the couple of big conferences uh, or, you know kind of presentations that are included and uh, you won't have because sometimes th- those things run almost in tandem and you almost have to choose like oh which one do I want to watch um, and uh, so it's uh, th- yeah I can imagine like certain companies thinking oh well if, if those people are backed out of E3 we could we could turn up there <laughs> and uh, kind of have most of the limelight so yeah. there's that and then th- the alternative is uh, of that is that um, what EA Play have done uh, for, is it for two years now? They've well, Yeah, at least
1: know. two. Oh, well, yeah, not counting last year, of course. Yeah, last year two doesn't previous. really count, actually.
2: But yeah, they um, where they kind of do E3, but not. Like, they're not actually at E3. They're in a car park next door. Next door, and they do it, like, the <laughs> night before E3 officially starts. So they're basically just saying, we're first, we're yeah, first, and are, no they're. one else has anything else to watch, so they're all going to watch us. Mm-hmm. Um, but not everyone can do that, because otherwise you then just... <laughs> you know, piggyback over each other in reverse, whatever a reverse leapfrog is. Um, So, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, if E3 wants to carry on, they're going to have to convince people to be, uh, to return. And uh, now that everyone's had a taste of how, perhaps, I would argue, cheap and simple it is to do your own thing um, and to have that control then uh, they might, might be tempted to just carry on doing that. Mm-hmm.
1: Microsoft is going to be there. They've actually, mm-hmm. um, they're pretty much spearheading the, as we're going to talk about in our big discussion, They are they are spearheading the, hey, come on, guys, let's all be friends movement yeah. that is endearing them in a lot of people's eyes. Mm-hmm. and uh, so they are they they they've been very loudly saying yeah we'll be at e3 can't wait to see you all there i think it does make a big difference that uh, i think that microsoft is has a has a big uh, the microsoft microsoft has a big stake in the esa i believe and they're, they're mm-hmm. heavily involved in it so it's it's to their benefit that it would succeed esa being the organizers of e3 and again citation yeah. needed i think either some key people involved in xbox or uh, members of the esa or, or vice versa whatever um so yeah they just uh they just need to get everyone back i don't know that they will though. but Mm. we will see yeah we'll see right it's time to move on to a are you ready to move uh, to a, a big discussion a big discussion it's big discussion time this big discussion comes courtesy of john oliver uh but dan clapper and richard major also asked similar questions here we go Hi lads, hope all is well. After reading Bloomberg's recent article, it says embedded below, but we've also stuck it in the link dump if you want to see it. It seems Sony are no longer focused on smaller titles and are instead focusing primarily on their blockbuster experiences. I was wondering whether you feel this is a smart this is smart sorry on Sony's behalf. If this is, <coughs> if this is the approach, it could have negative connotations, e.g., less frequent exclusives, fewer genre choices for fans, causing unrest for internal developers. Sony's PR has been pretty poor recently, teetering towards the launch days of the ps3 levels are bad and i don't think this recent news has helped with that being said do you feel it's worth it for sony to deliver excellent games on a less frequent basis many thanks lads and take care hmm. so we've got a little quote from the article in question i don't know if you want to tackle this peter
2: sure so this is uh, written by jason J- jason trier <laughs> at bloomberg sony's obsession with blockbusters is stirring unrest within playstation empire Uh, Sony's focus on exclusive blockbusters has come at the expense of niche teams and studios within the PlayStation organization, leading to high turnover and less choice for players. Uh, last week, Sony reorganized a development office in Japan, resulting in mass departures of people who worked on less well-known but acclaimed games, such as Gravity Rush and Everybody's Golf. The company has informed developers that it no longer wants to produce smaller games that are only successful in Japan, Bloomber-
1: Bloomberg has reported. Goodness me. So um, there we are. That's uh, that's sort of the state of things. There's, um, there's seemingly, and this is sort of the... The, the area that the other questions went into, but it's all very relevant. There's seemingly a, a sort of air of anti-PlayStation uh, going around at the moment in the in the core gaming space. And I'm not saying that it's unwarranted because mm. they've made several questionable decisions recently. Uh, I've got a few here before I ask you what you think about all this, Peter. Yeah, well, Sony... you might be about
2: to say one of the things I was about, about to bring up, but by, ah. yeah, do go ahead.
1: Okay, so Sony's effectively shuttered Studio Japan. Losing mm-hmm. loads of talent in the process. Sony Bend, <clears throat> excuse me, Sony Bend, who made Days Gone, have been told not to make a Days Gone sequel, and instead were put to work on uh, uh, something else as a support studio, mm. uh, which they have since backed out of. I think it was something to do with Uncharted. Uh, there's a Last of Us One remake in the works. Yeah, that the was PS- it. <laughs> PS3, PSP, and Vita stores are going to be shuttered. Uh, There's this now supposed focus on big blockbuster games, ignoring all smaller niche projects. And then on the other hand, Xbox are absolutely nailing the gamer first approach with all of their marketing and messaging as PlayStation did last generation, which is why they were probably so successful then. And finally, and I I imagine there's probably more, MLB The Show 21 is on Xbox for the first time and free on Game Pass when PlayStation owners have to pay like 60, 70 quid for it. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of stuff... They're sort of getting pummeled in the in the public space, and again, it's worth it's worth saying that people who just play games recreationally do not know or care about what the, what is going on no. here. Yeah. But certainly, in the core gaming space, the people listening to this podcast, the people who are interacting on Twitter, reading the the news websites, they know what's going on, and Sony are not coming out smelling like roses at the moment.
2: Yeah. I mean, to me, the the one that really kind of spelled it out or typified the whole thing was the news of this Last of Us one remake. Like, mm. I it it just beggars belief. You know, Naughty Dog are one of I think the best first party studios for Sony right now. Um, but it takes them ages to make games, and you know, fair enough, they produce excellent ones. You know, when the games are finally done, but it takes them a long time to make games. And they were working on The Last of Us Part Two for ages. And now what's been announced is, oh, yeah, the next thing we're working on is a remake of the first Last of Us. That doesn't need remaking. It was remastered already. And the remaster is great. It looks fantastic still, I think. And, you know, that game plays, I mean, relatively similarly to the sequel. So I really don't think that is necessary at all but for some reason that's what they're doing and it's like they're scared to delve into anything that's not proven and actually let's let's be honest some people really hated the last of us part 2 we didn't and we don't understand the hate we we know why some of the hate is leveled at it mm. um, and we think those are those reasons are ridiculous but even if you didn't like the game purely from some kind of gameplay uh, or technical point of view uh the the fact is that that game kind of split the crowd in some ways so it seems a really strange move to actually say well we're going to work on a last of us one remake now um but uh, yeah it's it's kind of symptomatic of the whole attitude at the moment which is uh to to close down you know studios behind the likes of everybody's golf which i mean is that like it confused me really to say that oh we we don't want to work on you know, we don't want be working on games that are only successful in japan I think everybody's golf, as an example, is you know it's it's a successful enough game in the West. Maybe it's much bigger if
1: you want to get American. Well, yeah,
2: sure. Um, You know, uh, perhaps it's it's way more successful in Japan. And you know, I I can imagine the same uh, can be said of Gravity Rush um, that that is much more successful um, towards towards the East, but. it just, it's it's sad. It seems like creative stifling to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's saying we know that this works. And, you know, they're getting into dangerous territory in terms of they're not so far away from the kind of attitudes that people already crap all over with from the likes of Ubisoft or EA. Um, you know, it's well established that Ubisoft rarely uh, step outside of their now well-established Ubi Worlds template. Um, and EA, although they don't quite have an EA Worlds template uh, that they apply to every game, they certainly uh, rely on certain crutches and say, well, we're always going to put this thing in our games. Frostbite we're always- Engine. Frostbite Engine is one. Yeah, exactly. Um, so for PlayStation to... I mean, they're not quite doing the same thing saying we're going to make all the same games. But to say we only want to work on these huge major blockbusters... Um, and we want to do, for example, a Last of Us 1 remake now because we know people like The Last of Us. It kind of feels like they're scared to venture out and do anything interesting or uh, new,
1: try anything new and experiment. Mm. Uh, very quickly, to go back to The Last of Us 1 remake, mm. do I think it needs a remake? No, of course it doesn't. Yeah, No, it it just doesn't. Do I think there's a very specific reason why they're doing it? Yes, and I think it's the TV show. Uh, right, I think sure. when that yeah. comes out and people can see that they can play through a recently remade first game, mm. I think it's a waste of resources. I think it's silly, especially as the the report does detail that I think it was in development at a at a different place initially before being absorbed into Naughty Dog. Yeah, that's right. Just a total waste of these pe- these, these teams' resources, like. If you're gonna do it, keep it in one place. You know this probably should have just been developed internally at Naughty Dog and left there, made by a, a side team or whatever. You know. Yeah. Um. But when this when this HBO show comes out, it's going to be huge. Equally though, The Witcher Netflix show was huge for The Witcher Three. Now The Witcher Three is of course more recent than The Last of Us. The Last of Us One is eight years old, which is shocking to think it is, about in
2: its original uh, form. Yeah. It's
1: still still not old enough to warrant a remake, of course. But the Witcher 3 didn't need to be remade or remastered to, as we covered in a list, sell more since the show came out uh, than than it had sold up to that point, I believe. So it's... Yeah, the the Last of Us 1 remastered would probably have sold extremely well. They didn't need to remake it. No. Uh, but that might, may well be their reasoning, just, just to, just to yeah, throw that point the, out there uh, as well. The
2: show, yeah. yeah,
1: that's yeah. a good point. And... Also, to provide a provide a bit of balance, there was actually a really good article on Push Square from Sammy Barker, and I'll stick this in the link dump as well. Mm. Um, where he sort of he he, he writes almost a, a response to um, to the Bloomberg article. It's called "I don't think Sony's obsession with PS5 blockbusters aligns with reality." And I'm not saying that I agree with this, but I'm I'm just want to read it for balance. Like yeah, A, a differing or, uh, opinion here. Uh, The next three PlayStation 5's exclusives on Sony's first-party docket are MLB The Show 21... and on Xbox Returnal and Ratchet Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart a baseball simulation a bullet hell roguelike and the long awaited successor to Insomniac Games mascot platformer property the previous three in case you're curious were Destruction All-Stars Sackboy A Big Adventure and Demon's Souls the latter two were launch titles sorry launch titles alongside Astro's Playroom and yes Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales before that Ghost of Tsushima I'm sorry, but this emerging narrative that Sony is obsessed with the only, with only the biggest of its brands does not align with reality, at least not right now anyway. He does go on to point out that while it could have been promoted a lot more, Sony supported and continued to support Dreams, and I think the Bloomberg article talks about that as well, um, and that he believes implicitly that there, the, the, while there are employees at Sony, both past and present, who are disgruntled with occurrences unfolding internally... Uh, which obviously are the people that that Jason Schreier spoke to, Uh, that may not reflect the majority. So there's just a a, a different perspective there because it is worth pointing out that actually Sony does produce a wide variety of stuff, even Mm. if the reporting recently has has proven that actually maybe their focus at the moment uh, is largely on sequels. But I think the big problem for me is that Xbox are just smashing it on the messaging front. They've got a really good social media team. They've got a really good marketing team. They've got all the money in the world, and they can buy whatever they want. Yeah. And that it's it's just seen again in the core gaming space. Outside of it, people don't really understand or know what's going on. But in the core gaming space, that's seen as a win after win after win. And Sony is setting you know they are they are putting um they are making mistakes seemingly i'm trying to think of the term like putting putting a wrong foot that's but not it is it foot wrong yeah, yeah i don't know it. they are doing that with things like the the store shuttering and stuff but i think they're the amount of mistakes they're making aren't really that big it's just the fact that xbox are doing so well at the moment with their messaging uh, that's that's sort of making them look worse by comparison, even though really they're not doing all that much wrong. I think there's just a lot of people are seeing Xbox do well and thinking, well, when's, when's Sony going to do something big like buy Bethesda? When are they going to do that? And it's like, they can't, oh, they're shuttering the store. Oh, bloody hell, Sony, for God's sake. Yeah, I think there is an element of that to mm. this. And I think the problem is that Sony just need to talk to us more. that's that's the big problem they're losing sort of the war uh for for faith with the core gamers uh xbox is striking big victory after big victory and sony is seemingly scoring own goal after own goal but while the optics may not be great they're still producing phenomenal games on playstation even if they are as suggested just blockbuster after blockbuster which Mm. is straining their internal teams and putting people off and making people leave um, and the PS5 is is worth mentioning, outselling the uh, the Series X slash X by quite a lot, per GameIndustry.biz data from Ampere Analysts. uh enough, sorry, analysis. I'm all over the place with my brain this morning. Suggests that Xbox Series X slash X has sold 2.8 million units since launching in November. Uh, lagging a bit behind the Xbox One during the same post-launch timeframe at 2.9 million units. Meanwhile, the PS5 has matched the performance of the PS4, which shifted 4.2 million units in its first few months after launching in November 2013. So despite all of this, the PS5 is still doing really well. Sony still doing really well, making really good games. It's just, It's just in this core space. They are not communicating with us well enough. And it's clear that they need to communicate more, and have perhaps a relatable executive in the limelight. Because Jim Ryan, the current boss, is getting a ton of flack at the moment. Mm. But he has been there for a very long time, and I believe he knows what he's doing. However, Shuhei Yoshida, Kaz Hirai, Andrew House, Adam Boyes, Jack Tretton, and Sean Layden were all very personable, and they were sort of adopted and loved by the core gaming community. They need. I'm not saying they need to get rid of Jim Ryan. I don't think that would be a good idea. But they no. do need someone up front who can, who the audio, the core audience can engage with, and someone who can communicate to them. And they just need to talk to us again. Remember last year where they didn't talk about the PS5 until like a month before yeah, it came yeah. out. It just, it's they've they've never been so unpredictable, and I think that is to their detriment. But I don't think they are. they should we say being arrogant as someone who who lived and. Endured that <laughs> that period. I don't think they are back being arrogant. Sony from two thousand and six. I think they are just really bad at their messaging at the moment, and they need to get a new team in to run that.
2: They certainly feel more like a faceless corporation than Microsoft do at the moment, and Nintendo. I would say they just feel a bit more like yeah, they're doing good stuff. They're they're achieving, and they're they're putting out good quality products and services but you know so do amazon and you know <laughs> google and stuff it's kind of it's not that bad of course i'm i'm being hyperbolic there but it you know they they feel less like you could sit down and have a chat with Sony than you could with Xbox, I would say with with Microsoft. Um, to go back to the article you quoted there from Push Square, I think mm. I, I absolutely agree that at the moment the library I do think is uh, and you know recent releases I do think are varied and you know they're delving into different genres and they're not necessarily uh, pushing for uh, these blockbuster games and that's where their their interest is exclusively. But um, I think my response initially is you know, taking the Bloomberg article at face value, taking them on their word, and if it's more of a prediction of the future, then certainly I would, you know, I, I say, well, that's that's not a good thing, and I hope that's not the case, and so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, it, it does mean that you do have to trust what is kind of just rumors and, you know, just claims made by people on in the industry could very well be exactly what's happening. It might be a bit exaggerated, Um, So we'll have to hope it's the latter. Mm. And yeah, I agree that at the moment, the library is still diverse enough and uh, I don't feel like there's this uh, heavy weighting towards um, kind of major, like huge AAA blockbuster games. Um, And long may that continue. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a worrying thing to hear that there's this perhaps some animosity towards Sony on the inside at the moment
1: yeah absolutely I, I i couldn't agree more i think um sony doesn't help themselves as we've talked about a few times earlier in the episode they, they just they they do they or they have i should say had a habit of making some very questionable calls um yeah. and again you know none of us are on the inside so we don't really know what the long term planning is the the shuttering of the ps3 psb and vita stores could lead to backwards compatibility equally knowing Sony it probably won't and that'll just be the end of it and those games that, that are at risk of being lost will just be lost forever and that'll be terrible mm. um, however I don't I, I think it's very easy to get swept up in the doom and gloom and to jump on the bandwagon not that Sony are in need of defending or protecting that's not what I'm saying you know they're not they're, they're, a, they're a multi-million probably billion dollar company They they they'll be fine yeah. They don't need they don't need people sticking up for them. But I would urge caution that while Xbox is doing so well on the messaging and Sony is doing so poorly on the messaging, maybe to try and just take a step back because it it can be very easy to get swept up in that and and just be like oh. Sony, they're throwing it all away. It's arrogant Sony from 2006. It may well end up being arrogant Sony from 2006, but certainly from where I'm sitting right now and remembering what that was like, it's not that. I think Mm. it's just Sony is still doing really good stuff. And, you know, their pricing, I mean, the games could be cheaper for sure, but their pricing is acceptable. The price of their console is competitive. I I just think they need to talk to us more. I think that's that's the largely the issue here and a lot of these these problems would go away if they had someone that people could look at and go oh it's 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 uh it's Tingle it's Tingle Flim there he is everyone There's loves Tingle Mr Flim. everyone loves Mr Flim and that's the Sony guy and he's tweeting about how they're going to buy EA yes Tingle Flim get it you know if if Sony had that money to throw around and they just bought Capcom for example. <laughs> yeah. You know, the conversation would be totally different. But they don't have that money. So what they can do is talk to us and they're not doing that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. It's and even just uh, you know, the, Microsoft had that um uh they, they had that kind of round table chat thing that went out a couple of weeks ago now where I think they were mostly they were talking about the um the, the bethesda acquisition and stuff but i think they talk more generally as well about microsoft and xbox and so on and just seeing like just a bunch of people sitting around kind of representing the company having a chat uh you don't you don't get that from sony sony no. don't sit around and just with a load of famous faces and uh <laughs> you know kind of say hey so what do you guys love about uh you know, be, being members of Sony, but they do need they do need Tingle Tingle McFlim or whoever yeah, it is. Tingle Flim. Um, yeah. Could they get like uh, Shinji Mikami? Remember Shinji yeah. Mikami from Ghostwire Tokyo? Reveal, of course. Very charismatic and endearing. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. just <laughs> push her to the moon.
1: Oh no, that's not Shinji Mikami. That was Kasumi something else. Shinji Mikami is the guy who made Resident Evil. Oh it is. Yeah. No, not Shinji Mikami Yeah. I know who you're talking about I can't remember her full name. Ikumi uh, Nakamura. Nakamura. Did I say yeah. Kasumi? That's not right. Yakumi yeah, something Nakamura. I mean we just see seeing... me. I don't know I don't bloody know. It was something like that. Anyway. It was Akumi
2: Nakamura, yeah. I, yeah, she's gone
1: now. Point. She's not there anymore anyway, but um
2: No, I know she hasn't, yeah. Can Shinji- we get her back?
1: Shinji Mikami, I think, was
2: there at the Ghostfire Tokyo thing. Yes, but, he was. He was, but was there. not Ikumi Nakamura
1: at all. No, he didn't do the dance that she no, did. No, uh, he's or not a gestures. woman. He is and... not a woman. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's a really weird place. I do think, again, taking a step back, this this is this is purely a fight for the faith of the core gamers, which, in the grand scheme of things, isn't necessarily that vital. However, as I said earlier. ps4 era sony really nailed the you know for the players they really made it all about us Mm. and now xbox is doing that and sony aren't and i think that's a big misstep and of course there's also the fact that after say three or four years xbox has got all their these acquisitions up and running they will have potentially an exclusive xbox game out maybe every three months and yeah sony don't have the money to do that but they do have the money to, because they've done it before, hire a good marketing team. And yeah. I don't know if they've still got that team or what, but someone needs to come in and talk to them about PR because, you know...
2: But definitely not the PSP marketing team. Not
1: the cause... PSP marketing <laughs> Please, team. Please, no. No, we don't need that. But uh, anyway, it's a complicated issue and we ended up talking a lot more about the state of Sony in general, which I think is was the natural direction of that conversation yeah. anyway from John. But... Uh, Hopefully we covered a lot of bases there. I do urge you to read the Bloomberg article and the Push article as well, just to offer a bit of pushback. But um, let us know what you think. I know it's very easy to get swept up in console alliances and your preferred platforms and stuff, but we always try to provide a very balanced view. And even though we have a preference, it doesn't mean we can't criticize no, yeah. uh, what we like. So please do let us know where you fall on this and what you make of it all, and whether it's overblown or whether this is the... Uh, one of the final nails in the coffin for Sony, and they're going to fold next week <laughs> because Xbox is buying them. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, let us know in the comments. Peter, where can people find us?
2: Team Triple Jump, that's who we are. We're at youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump where we put out our videos and do our live streams. When we stream, we're modded by Lord Brotovich, Mads and Trowling Badger. And talking of Twitch, remember you can get a sort of bundled in with your Amazon Prime that you may already be paying for. One of the benefits is a Twitch sub that you get. It's just part of part of the price. So uh consider spending that on us if you like won't cost you anything extra um we've got social media twitter.com and facebook.com forward slash team triple jump luke eldon looking after facebook for us and doing a great job as usual thank you luke our patreon is (laughs) patreon.com i'm losing my voice patreon.com forward slash team triple jump um where there's all kinds of rewards that are worth checking out you can ask questions on this podcast for example but there's lots of other things too our Discord, you can get to via the handy link bit.ly forward slash team triple jump. Jack and Joe are our mods over there. Thank you, Jack and Joe. The podcast, if you're watching on YouTube, is available in audio form at play.acast.com forward slash s forward slash triple jump. The website is triple That's triple ju.mp. Uh, If you go to www.driplejur.mut forward slash vods, that will redirect you to our YouTube channel where we put all of our vods and where uh, Pat puts weekly highlights together of those vods. Um, There's also a careers tab on that webpage, which uh, certainly at time of recording and I'm sure probably at time of publishing uh, will still have some job ads on there that are live. We did say at the time um that we would get back to people within 14 days if you have applied and you're worried that we've not got back to you don't worry please don't worry we're just waiting to see uh, just how many applicants we can get because we yep. want to you know pick from as big a pool as possible but that's not to say that someone who's already applied will not be the successful one so fear not there have been lots of good applications already mm-hmm. um and finally of course uh, we've got a new shop-ish. It's triplejumpshop.com. You can go to triplejumpshop on Twitter for updates on when new merch is coming. And actually, Ben and I saw a new T-shirt design Ooh. yesterday. This mo- I saw it this morning. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's coming... I guess soon-ish, whenever point. the next drop is. Yeah, we just so, need to
1: get the rest of the shirts. Yeah, ready, get some more whatever stuff those are. <laughs> for the rest of the
2: rest of the drop. But uh, yeah, it's exciting. So yeah, that's th- those are all of our things.
1: It's coming. It is coming. Mm. Uh, you can follow Peter on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin. Myself, just on Twitter at confused underscore dude. We do lists every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Streams every Monday, Thursday, and Friday. Thursday being on YouTube. Friday and Monday being on twitch that's the name of the platform worst games ever is fortnightly friday for patrons of a certain tier sunday for everyone else it is a worst games ever week this week podcast is every saturday and we do shows one every other week or thereabouts uh leave a review on itunes or your platform of choice it helps something to do with al gore's rhythms and this week peter yes it is a worst games week yes it is so yes it is it's a pretty good one i think
2: it is a good one i had had a lot of fun with that one
1: Yeah. yeah absolutely we also have a chat about the evercade which we were very kindly sent by the evercade people thank you evercade uh, and as, as peter mentioned earlier he's been playing it we had like a half an hour chat so if you want to hear way more information about what the evercade is and if you think it might be for you then go watch that video and tell you all about it yeah do it and finally peter was off on thursday this week which meant i had the pleasure of doing the joint stream blaze it with james our very own james who edits this podcast our senior mm-hmm. editor does writing does editing looks after some of the video editors as well and i at this point i don't know what we played but i'm sure we played <laughs> something and i'm sure it was fun so uh please be very kind and nice and welcoming to james if you're watching the vod after the fact and uh and and thank thank him for being a friend i don't really know where i was going with that for being a good editor yeah that too peter there's just enough time to talk about this week's sponsor once again yes of
2: course uh, coming soon no out now I don't know it's all made up uh, God World uh, Abe's Goddessy yeah uh, whatever it was um, I, could you tell that I made it up two minutes before we recorded the podcast because I realised it was my turn a
1: little bit yeah I've been in that position before um, yeah
2: desperately trying to think oh what's relevant in the gaming sphere right now um, God World there it is Heaven perfect. go and sing some soul in a storm
1: you could have said Gabe's goddessy as well, like the angel Gabriel.
2: I could have, yeah.
1: Never know. mind. Next time. That's another one you can pull out the bag. The same one, but just with Gabe. It's the sequel. That <laughs> yeah, is brother. Okay, okay thanks for listening slash watching, everyone. Look after yourselves, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.